0: This presentation has been previously broadcast. If I talk to you about going through the process of grief, of dealing with loss, chances are you think I'm speaking about the death of a loved one. And of course, that is naturally when most of us deal with grief and loss. But what about other ways that you might experience grief and loss in your life? Well, Vicki and Jeremiah, they are two people who understand this maybe better than most. And I'll share their story with you coming up next.
1: Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Josh Ray.
0: Well, welcome to this hour of The Inner Life. I'm glad to be here with you today. And uh, so... The couple that I was talking about, Vicky and Jeremiah, I'll get to them in a moment. First of all, Mark Leda. He's an award-winning photographer. He's worked for years in the marketing and advertising world. But for the last six years, he also has regularly recorded interviews on his YouTube channel. That channel is called Soft White Underbelly. And Mark interviews people that he describes as, quote, people who are frequently invisible in society, the unhoused, the sex worker, the chronic drug user, the runaway, the gang member, the poor, and the sick. And he explains that his goal in recording these interviews is to try and raise awareness of things that are broken in our country. And, and his ultimate hope is that if people are aware of these challenges, these issues, that there can be change brought about for the next generation. Well, Mark recently recorded an interview with Vicki and Jeremiah. Vicki and Jeremiah are both homeless, and they're addicted to fentanyl. Jeremiah is 44 years old, Vicky is 32, and they live in the North Hollywood area, and their lives basically revolve around one thing, finding money to support their drug addiction. And I'd like you to hear a couple portions of this interview, this this section it starts right after Mark has asked Vicky if she had hoped for something different, for something better for her life.
2: Yeah, like kind of never really wanted to like be little myself to get drugs or have to like be, like. Every day, so I was gonna have a job, a car, go to college, and have like my first boyfriend, be my only boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a big difference. <laughs> we're stuck on fent- fentanyl, we're, like, we're hooked. Yeah, it's totally like, bad. I don't think unless you put a gun in my head and shot me, I could stop. Have you tried? Yeah, to stop? I I tried. Either. I tried yeah. medications. I tried. I've been in thirty-four rehabs. I've done it all. You know what I mean? I had two and a half years clean at one point. You got clean off of fentanyl? Yes. How'd you do that? Uh, I went to rehab, but I left after I got clean. I couldn't handle just being sober. The the pain. I went to rehab. I took Suboxone for ten days. I detox. I didn't get sick, but the the I just had this urge of like leaving, and the pain inside of me couldn't handle being sober. Because I guess I'm trying to block something in my life, maybe depression, being depressed or something.
0: Vicky, what's what's your biggest fear?
2: My biggest fear is I'm gonna end up going to jail, like not only that is like maybe losing touch with reality a little bit or getting lost you know and just like kind of just ending up in a miserable cycle and not being able to free myself from like things in my head that like sometimes I create and not to be able to like just like you know take care of myself. I don't want to be like like on the streets forever, you know. I want to yeah, have a house. I want to grow and yeah. live. You I want to get a house, have a car, <laughs> have a life. Yeah, that I never had because like, yeah. every every high school I went to, they're all have houses, kids, normal lives.
0: So in this video, where Jeremiah just a moment ago he talked about being sober for a couple of years, but he couldn't handle the pain. At that point, he. His fingers point right at the middle of his chest. He points right at his heart, and there was just too much pain, too much internal hurting inside his heart. And watching, you can kind of see in their eyes, and you can hear it a little bit in their voices, Vicki and Jeremiah. They both know the reality of their addiction, and there's this kind of resigned sadness, knowing that they've lost out on living what they see as a normal life. You heard it there at the end, you know. Basic things, having a home, owning a car. And grief and loss, they can come in so many different forms for all of us. Now, as I stated a couple of minutes ago, grief and loss are probably most often associated with the death of a loved one for us. But regardless of what brings that sense of loss, whatever it is that you're grieving through, In those moments of loss and loneliness, when you are trying to process the grief and the pain, well, how should your faith be a comfort for you? How does God want to help you in those moments? This is what we want to talk about today on the Inner Life. And I'm very glad to have joining us for our conversation today, Father Marcel Tayon. Father Tayon is a priest in the Diocese of Providence and he is the pastor at St. Thomas More Catholic Church in Narragansett, Rhode Island. Father Tayon, welcome back to the Inner Life. Uh, glad to have you here for uh, what's a pretty heavy topic today.
1: No, it is it's a it's a relevant topic for everyone because it's a, it's a universal topic all of us uh, deal with this throughout our lives. So, you know, we, we don't have a choice. So yeah. And Christ has a lot to say about it, and so does the Church, and, and other people's experiences can also help us. So it's a wonderful topic, actually. I think
0: it's a great topic. Well, as I said, you know, we can face grief or loss in a variety of ways. I think most of our conversation is going to deal with the death of a loved one, but having the knowledge that we're going to go through that, or even if we talk about—you know, there's those those uh, famous five stages of grief. You know, just the knowledge of something doesn't make, when you're in the moment, the loss, the pain any less. And, you know, while we hope that that might be a little of what we get out of today's conversation, how we can maybe, you know, make it through that process a little easier, a little better— I think the crux of what we're really going to talk about is how we encounter God in that time of sadness, in that time of loss, in that process. So with that in mind, uh, you know, before we maybe even find ourselves in that grieving process, what do you think we can do in advance that we can maybe prepare ourselves so that we don't shut down or close ourselves off from God when we do experience that time of grief and loss?
1: Well, that's a great question, and all of us will have to deal with grief and loss if we're not today while you're listening to this program, um, but we will. So how do we get ready? Great question. I think we <clears throat> it's really helpful for us if we kind of study the person of Jesus, come to know him, and also the crucifixion, death, and resurrection, right? So Christ came to conquer death for the believer when we baptized. We are buried with Christ. If you go to a baptism, you hear this word, death, death, death. And you go to a Catholic funeral, you hear life, life, life. So we die with Christ at baptism, and we're born again, so to speak, into new life. At the moment of our baptism, and at the moment, our body and soul are separated from each other. So the more we kind of understand this, and that God sent his only son freely, he didn't have to, to die, to freely choose to die. We hear it at every Mass, he freely chose to do this. Um, the more we understand that, meditate on that, come to know Jesus, and come to know the suffering that he went through, the Father and the Holy Family, at the time of Christ's death and their very close friends' death, their family members, the more we can, I think, we'll feel a closeness to Jesus and to the Heavenly Father when we're grieving. And we won't think that God is outside of our experience, uh, nor unknowing, nor unfeeling, nor unexperiencing that. And I do find, you know, sometimes, especially when there's a an unexpected death of a young person or... Just when when a death is even more difficult, whether it's it could be anything, suicide, drug overdose, when it sort of comes really suddenly, an accident. There's so many ways people can can encounter death in their lives. What the cause of that is, but I I just hope and pray that all of us, especially the baptized person, uh, will turn to God and not away from God. Which is sometimes if people aren't sort of ready, it's so overwhelming, and I I've seen many people kind of drift away from practice, the sacraments, the scriptures and Jesus because they're so upset and they, they just almost, they just can't imagine God allowing this to happen. So they become sort of distant from God in the church. And other people have had massive conversions through grief. There are people that, I know a couple, they lost their only son when he was maybe 11. And after the that funeral mass and process for their son, they were so touched by the liturgies and the sacramental encounters with Jesus. They go to daily mass still. They're probably in their late 50s, 60s today. They actually go to daily mass every day since the death of their son. That that's not always the case. We know that, but I think we getting ready is good because we're all gonna we're all going to deal with this. Uh, we are, we have, and we will uh, throughout our lives. So it's something to. And I think the more we prepare for grief, the more we're also preparing for our own death and to meet Jesus, it's all very positive um, in that way. So preparation is great. And I think getting to know the passion of Jesus, um, his innocence, his lack of sin, and and then trying to just kind of, if you lean into the death of Jesus and to try to understand God's experience of that and the resurrection, I think that will help us to prepare. It won't take away all the pain or maybe even a lot of it, but it'll make that suffering, that grief suffering redemptive, uniting it to Christ and trying to cling to the cross when grief comes. And in these very difficult situations that that we have to go through sometimes, what will bring us closer to God and to others than, than away. So it's a great question to get ready, uh, kind of prepare uh, spiritually, theologically, even emotionally, psychologically through Christ for grief that will come to us. We we know we're going to experience that. Maybe if you're listening to this day you become weary from your grief, but but it's all right. You know, the Lord's gonna gonna get you through that and get you through even maybe by happening to stumble across this program today it might be one of the graces for you too.
0: You talk about um you know, that we can look at the words of Jesus, what he says, how even the holy family dealt with the grieving and the loss of Jesus, the crucifixion. Um, there there's the one point where I think it stands out more than any place else in the life of Christ that we see him himself as he is saddened as he cries over the death of his dear friend Lazarus. You know, he's greeted by Martha, who comes up. and and, you know, even as you're talking about the resurrection, she ends up making. Comment of that? Yes, I believe that we will be resurrected on the last day. You know, and, and and so as you're talking about, we we have this hope of heaven, we have this hope of eternal reward and comfort. At the same time, in the midst of that loss, again, the intellectual knowledge of it, it doesn't take away that sorrow that we're facing right now. And, and we see that again with Jesus. Even knowing what he's going to do, he still Feels those emotions there with Mary, with Martha, you know, knowing that that Lazarus well, has that, passed away.
1: Sure, and you know, Lazarus Bethany was the kind of the place where Jesus went uh, to rest, sort of. A, he didn't take a day off, so to speak, but it's the place he went to get the spiritual friendship, refreshment with his family. There's three siblings that lived together, and the shortest verse in all of Scripture is those two words: Jesus wept. So, in his human nature and God, he wept. At the grave of Lazarus, and of course, that was not the tears were not the end. It was an excruciating experience for him to be at a grave, as it is when we are at graves of people we love. Um, But I also find that I love is that Mary and Martha respond to the grief and the funeral very differently. Mary recoils; she stays home, and Martha goes out. And I think it's really good to see two processes of grieving in the same family that Jesus was close to. Um, there's no, so to speak, there's no right or wrong way to grief. It's, it's a personal journey in Christ for each person. And Mary, Jesus loved Martha, and he loved Mary. And while Mary was at home, Jesus knew she was at home. He was with her, loving her, you know, in his divinity, aware of that. And of course, he raised, resuscitates Lazarus. And then I always think what would it have been like to be at his second funeral, right, sort of They have the first funeral. Jesus arrives. He's in no rush. He heals another person on the way. He's not afraid of death. The fact that he wasn't running to Lazarus um, in hospice. He didn't run there. We see in Jesus' great confidence in the Father, uh, a lack of fear of death. At the same time, this excruciating sorrow that God shares with us at at the separation. And he entered into that. But Mary and Martha are very different, both acknowledged by Christ, no one condemned for one wanting to stay home and pull the shades down for a couple of days and the other one running out wanting to see everybody and, and go to the grave and be at the cemetery and, and I think there's something very profound about that experience for us, um and in our own families, our own circle of friends when grief comes that we see in Martha Mary this this not this parallel but very different reaction to the death of the brother. Um and of course Jesus changes everything. Martha makes her profession of faith that he's the Messiah, and it's often read at, at Catholic funerals, one of the most sought after for really good reasons Gospel. So I encourage you to read that Gospel if you don't know about it from John's Gospel to read that account that we're talking about today about lazarus's death and I think I just just imagine the second funeral of Lazarus and what that would have been like for Martha and Mary it would have been very different as as again uh, for we who believe we say we grieve with hope uh, and not like others like pagans that don't know Christ. So hopefully, in all our sadness, sorrow, shock, and all these stages of grief that we do go through, and sometimes we slip back a couple stages and come back the next day, and that's okay. Um, but Christ is with us in each in each moment and each step.
0: Uh, talking with Father Marcel Tayon today here on the inner life about dealing with grief, dealing with loss in our lives, looking at the scriptures, at the life of Jesus, how we can learn from his example, but also going to be talking about some other ways that we can prepare ourselves, that we can process through that grief, uh, about how we can uh, really encounter God in those moments, and what has helped you in your life when you've dealt in those times of grief, of loss? How did God comfort you when you needed it? Uh, how did God make himself more real to you in those moments? Or maybe you're struggling right now with the loss of a loved one or, or something else that has brought about that that serious grief in your life, and you're not feeling that comfort. And you're saying, I, I just don't know where to turn. I don't know what to do if you need some insight, some encouragement, some advice. You're welcome to call in and speak with Father Tyone. Our phone number here into the studio is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Father, um, maybe you can also talk about how we can turn to Mary, to our Blessed Mother. Being there at the foot of the cross, you know, we, we have the the kind of traditional devotion to Our Lady of Sorrows, those seven sorrows, those seven swords that pierced her heart. But she's someone who really can be a, a powerful intercessor, probably more powerful than almost any other saint that would come to my mind uh, if we are going through that time of sorrow in our lives.
1: So, and if, if I may point out, I think one of the reasons that Mary, Our Lady of Sorrows, she's certainly my favorite mary so to speak um great devotion to her celebrated in september but mary that was that was her most profound experience of grief of course and the way christ died was so public so humiliating so publicly vulnerable that it wasn't in a private room he was crucified publicly can't imagine that but let's go back right i think we know that mary tradition speaks to us that joseph would have died before the crucifixion or he would have been there so she would have gone through the death of Joseph, her husband, right? So imagine that. And then when Jesus was born, let's back up even more, um, you know, what happened. uh, You remember uh, in that time that the Holy Innocents of Bethlehem, all the other firstborn boys after Herod became despotic had all those, you know, they fled to Egypt and it was a small town. So Mary would have known all these mothers and their kids. And then the boys in Bethlehem are sacrificed uh, looking for the king. Herod kills these children, and there's no way that Mary wouldn't have sooner or later heard about what happened um, to these very close people. So she would have grieved early on while she was Jesus was a, just a child. She'd have been grieving the loss of her neighbor's boys. And I think we forget about that, sort of the connection to the Holy Innocence, but that would have been a grief. And then later on, before Jesus, when he starts his public ministry, John the Baptist is executed in a very awful way. That's her nephew, So imagine hearing your nephew's been put to death that way. So that was a grief process. And then Lazarus, she would have known him and Mary and Martha. And so she too would have heard about that and been grieving. And then, of course, the crucifixion. Um, So Mary, I think, is the proverbial model of grief. She had faith, obedience, and humility. But she was grieving throughout her life. And because she loved Jesus and had faith in God, She was, I I can't imagine a time in a sense when she wasn't grieving because of the birth of Jesus, because of John the Baptist, because of the Holy Innocence, because of other people. Um, I just, so Mary, you know, Mary had heard about very important funerals of people that she loved all throughout her life. And I call it her ministry, um, really beginning, beginning in the beginning, Um, really, you know, even... When they fled and then came back to nazareth she would have definitely and you know the holy family had friends like we do and distant relatives and close relatives so the crucifixion was not her first death but the most important and the most unique but i think it's important whenever we invoke mary all those other funerals and deaths that she would have known are also a help to us because we think oh my gosh you know christ died it's it's incredible and standing, she stood at the cross, she didn't collapse, she didn't run away, she didn't attack the soldiers that were hurting her son. There's none of that. There's this humble, obedient, steadfast trust we call faith that God is doing something good at this moment and pouring out something good at the cross. When we see the cross, do we see life and love or do we see only, like a sometimes a secularist would look at the cross and see a horrible death and abandonment Not self-giving love and sacrifice, and of course Mary had perfect faith, so she would have had perfect faith at the cross, um, but very much our whole human experience. So she's the the perfect person to accompany us in grief, to pray for us, to model it for us, but also I think encourage our listeners to imagine all of Mary's other funerals and other deaths that were pretty tough. You know, there was there was regular deaths, I'm sure, all day, but all these other ones. I'm just tipping the iceberg you know, just just can't imagine uh, her heart <laughs> what what it experienced all her life. And I think that's why when we think of grief, we need to think of all of Mary's griefs, not only the cross, it has a the special place, the highest place. But I think it's a helpful thought to meditate on all those other people that you'd have heard about, um, and possibly even some of them attended funerals and Joseph and everything else going on. So I think, I think grief was a regular part of the Holy Family's life, like it is ours in most cases, and I think that's a beautiful thing, and it's something that will draw us close and, and help us draw close and feel consoled and accompanied by God and not abandoned or distant from Him.
0: How has God worked in your life when you've gone through that process of grieving the loss of a loved one? Uh, How has God comforted you in those moments? Or maybe right now you're in that process of grieving and you're saying, I don't feel like God is comforting me. You know, what do I do? How do How do I go on through this when it feels so overwhelming. If you'd like to call in and speak with Father Marcel Tayon, you're welcome to join the program. The phone number into the studio is 888-914-9149. If you have experienced that comfort from God, we'd love to hear how God worked in your life. Again, the phone number, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address is relevantradio.com, and we'll be right back in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is here to help with this year's health insurance open enrollment. They offer individual, couple, and family options to best fit your needs. Before January 15th, visit relevantradio.com/forester. Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and today speaking with Father Marcel Tyone. He's the pastor at St. Thomas More Catholic Church in Narragansett, Rhode Island, and talking about when we deal with grief, when we deal with loss in our lives, and how we can encounter God in those moments, especially when we might feel lonely, when we might feel isolated, when we're questioning why did this happen? When we're struggling in those moments, how is God working in those moments to draw us to him? And maybe you've experienced in, that in your life. How has that happened for you? Maybe you're in the midst of that suffering right now, that grieving, that loss, and you'd like some advice because you really want that comfort. It just doesn't seem to be there for you quite yet. Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 914 9149 And Father, yesterday I uh, got an email from Deborah she had written in and I I promised her. I said, you know, I'll, I'll ask father this on the air. And she said in her email, please, if you can help me find some sort of help regarding what to do when you lose someone specifically for her, a grandchild suicide. And she says, I know God loves him. He was baptized in the faith, and that's really my only saving grace, but we're devastated and we have no guidance. Uh, Any any resources or any suggestions on when you lose that someone um, to suicide? Uh, You know, there's so many things that you could be going through at that moment, Father, both just the grief itself, but then kind of questioning, did I miss signs? You know, was there something more I could have done?
1: Yeah, so that's a that's a total normal reaction to suicide. And suicide, of course, we want to place the person in the arms of Jesus, whose other name is Divine Mercy. Um, of course, you know, m- most people that do that are having other issues, sometimes substance abuse, mental health issues, all kinds of things that they go through that we really can't see or understand. Um, but when suicide comes, I have found over the years walking with many people and their families. That have gone through this, that the grief process tends to seem to have more anger in it. Um, eventually, there's this shock and disbelief and this almost unreality. Someone has to try to grasp that this happened and someone would would, would take an action like that or indirectly an action, whatever it might have been. Um, and I, I have found that over the time. There's, there's just more anger in that grief process than sorrow sort of like the the stages of grief take a lot longer and there's more anger and sometimes the anger is at God how could this happen sometimes the anger is at oneself what if I had seen something done something not done something and then sometimes of course there's a love for that person is sometimes even an anger towards that person so this, this, the anger is sort of I think a normal processes in suicide it's such a it's such a difficult cross um, but I you know I think I mean a the first advice I'd give is just, you know, I think it's important when we, when you pray to God, if you have experienced a suicide or someone you love or know as someone who you love, loves someone, you know, just obviously to, to say, Lord, what now, not Lord, what if, because I think it's, it's a, it's a muddy quicksand to just keep looking back and trying to figure out things we'll never understand. Um, I've preached some suicides before and one of the images I, I, I found that's helpful for people, It's sort of like when when I was a kid, I would, you know, get a a big puzzle. You make a puzzle when when you're a kid, like a big puzzle. And then you finish the puzzle and there's like, it could be like four or five pieces missing from the set. And then, so what happens? You finish this beautiful puzzle and it would be a beautiful picture, but we're missing four or five key pieces in the puzzle. And our eye naturally is drawn to the five pieces that are missing. (laughs) And so, you know, sort of, and I, I think, you know, on a, on a, maybe a a way to help us understand and to to help us move forward tiny little, tiny little millimeter baby steps at a time, day by day, sometimes year by year. But we wouldn't, a person's life, if we use the analogy of a puzzle, you know, the person you love was beautiful and had so many great things amidst all their struggles or or not. They had a beautiful life, and and we entrust them to God. But maybe we want to put the face of Christ or Our Lady of Sorrows in whenever we tend to get kind of, Go back to those pieces that how we will we won't know everything. We can't understand mental health. We can't understand addictions. We can't understand how the brain works or doesn't work properly. We'll never we'll never really have those answers in this life. So those those the beautiful picture that the puzzle made is still beautiful and maybe in those places where we we don't want to just keep looking at the five missing pieces of that person's life but all the hundreds thousands good pieces of their contributions to us their love and and we put in you know the cro- the cross and the empty tomb you know the cross of mercy in those pieces when we think of that person let's let's not just kind of fixate ourselves on the pieces of their life we we'll, we won't see or can't understand and i i think it seems to help people sort of like a kind of a coping mechanism moving forward after the initial shock, a lot of anger, a lot of sadness. And it is a difficult thing. And um you, know, if, you if your granddaughter, um, her life, you know, she went, she went to God this way, you know, I always think God it's the other thing I think about the nature of God that's important. So when someone commits suicide or uh dies, whatever way that um happens you know, God, I, I don't like when, when people use the expression, well, God took them, you know, well, God. God is not a taker. So we know from Christ Jesus, who's the second person of the Holy Trinity, that God is a giver and receiver. So he gave them to us. And then if it's by suicide or addictions or mental health issues or any which way. That, that God receives that soul um, um, and promises resurrection of the body. So he, he, he gives and receives, he doesn't take. We want to make sure we don't think God takes someone from us. God would never take someone we love from us as you would never take something away that someone you love cherishes, especially a person. So I think that's important. I always try to think of the Eucharist helps me out. So in the Eucharist, right, we don't take communion. We receive communion and we're given communion, So if you think even the Eucharist reveals the nature of God, who's a giver and receiver. So we don't go up there and take a host. We receive the host, and we're given a host. And I I think we can think of human souls like that, the resurrection of the body that's promised. And we want to make sure we don't get the nature of God wrong because... This could do a lot of spiritual, even psychological damage to yeah. us. It's really hard. Suicide and things are really hard. But I, I think I think those I would use the puzzle image and the communion image to help us understand that God God would never take one's granddaughter from a grandmother. That's just not that's not the will of God. It's allowed, but it's not his will. he he works with that redemptive suffering and receives her but didn't take her. I think those kind of basic things are important, uh Take to prayer and and thought and and be around good people. Be with people that maybe love the Lord, people that are good listeners, people that. And sometimes you know when you when you know someone who's grieving through suicide or a very tragic young death or any death that's hard. Some people can live ninety years and their best friend's their spouse and it you don't ever get over it. you. And how do I live with this in the Lord and my faith? You know, some some deaths are not. We don't. We're not supposed to get over death. We're supposed to get through death with Christ. So we're not supposed to ever be kind of done with grief. It's sort of a, it's sort of part of the human heart. Human. It makes us holy, and we're not supposed to. We've got to be careful. We don't kind of want an end to it. I think that would also set us up for a lot of feeling like we're failing or we're not believing enough. We want to be good to ourselves, be tender, but also I think surrounding ourselves. again, being around the sacraments, listen to this program today, healthy things that can help us be patient with ourselves and patient with the time and the process. And, you know, some people say, Oh, time heals all wounds. Well, no, I don't, I don't think so. No, Eternal all time yes, heals all <laughs> right. wounds. Not all wounds. No. And that's crazy. I don't like when people say that oh, time heals all wounds. You don't want to say that someone who's lost a child or their best friend or their spouse or their mom or dad, that was like their best confidant, you know, it's really it's probably not the best thing to say and, and listening to someone telling them you'll pray for them and then taking them to God when you walk away. Those are good things to say. Um we want to be careful that we don't yeah. don't don't really listen to people We have to really listen and especially if we haven't had that experience it's really hard. We've got to be extra, extra sensitive to say the right things and not say the wrong thing, especially about God. We wanna make sure that um uh, that we don't we don't say things that exactly aren't right about the Lord and, and maybe Maybe this program will help us all think a little better about that today.
0: Talking with Father Marcel Tayon again, our phone number, if you'd like to call in and speak with Father, 888-914-9149 as we talk about that process of grieving, the loss that we deal with when we lose that loved one in our life, and how God can work in those moments, how we can can, uh, grow closer and encounter God in those moments, even when we might not see him at work immediately. And if you're going through that right now and you'd like to talk with Father Tyone again, the phone number, triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Father, Jack is calling in, listening in Illinois. Hi, Jack. Welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air.
1: Oh, hi, Josh. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, Father, uh, uh, thank you for taking my call. So, um, I lost my mom about two and a half uh years ago. Mm.
3: And she was my best friend. And the, the grief, you know, I'm getting through it all, but I can tell you that uh, the biggest struggle, you know, is kind of the emptiness and the loneliness. Now it's just crushing at times. Mm. And that's all I wanted to say.
1: Well, I, first of all, thanks for your call, and you can hear your grief, right? You can hear that, and obviously, one thing your your mom must have been uh, an amazing human being and a loving person for you to to miss her so much, right? So, so um, yeah, I think again, I I appreciate you sharing your just just your witness to your own grief. I think I think as I said just before you called in that sometimes again we don't get over grief. We learn how to live with it. And it's, it's a, it's a journey with Christ. And also with that person, like one of the, one of the great scripture readings I love is that, um, part of the Catholic rituals, we have such great, honestly, the Catholic church has the best funerals in the world between the scriptures and the Eucharist and the communion of saints and Masses is being offered for them. Um, you know, I, I, think one of the things I love in scripture is that, uh, you know, when it, when it says, uh, our relationship, with the person has changed, not ended. Um, so your relationship with your mom has changed; it's not ended. Now, I'm sure you, I know you'd want her physically present, and her souls with the Lord who have body be raised up on the last day. But I, you know, I, I think it takes time. Sometimes many years, particularly when someone's so close as your mom is to, to kind of ask the Holy Spirit to teach me how has my relationship changed and not ended because it hasn't ended. Obviously, it hasn't. Even your love and your voice and and your witness testifies to the living love you have for your mom. Um, and I know you—you you know, you can experience some loneliness, but I also think too. I, I think even a, a more beautiful word is your longing. Your longing for her, and she's with Christ, and she's Christ is with you. And there's that what we call the communion of saints, where the dead um, in the next life, we we pray for them, they pray for us, as this mutual exchange. And, you know, I I I always think there's no greater place, too, to be closer to our deceased than at Mass, like every Mass the deceased are prayed for. And then sometimes, you know, sometimes going to the cemetery can help if it's a healthy kind of visitation. I think that that's a good thing to do. And I think, uh, you know, kind of finding the right, what day should you look at pictures or videos and what day shouldn't we do that? I think we have to be good to ourselves, kind of find the right times to kind of go through that process and other times to I think it can never go wrong having a Mass offered and receiving the Eucharist when the, when the Eucharist is offered for your mom or people we love. I find that Mass is this tremendous experience of communion with that person. And even more than the cemetery or their favorite chair or restaurant, we can do those things. But, but I think the Eucharist is the place to find rest um, and solace and also grace uh, to remind us that the risen Jesus is present to us um, so thank you for your call, your witness, your love, and certainly invite our callers to pray for him too, just that he receives that consolation from the Holy Spirit that God God wants him to have for calling in today. So thank you for calling in and, and your witness to that.
0: Again, talking with Father Marcel Tayon about the process of grieving that loss of a loved one. And how have you been able to make it through that process? And how has God offered that comfort to you? Well, we're going to talk with Joe coming up next about how he was able to make it through that process. And you're welcome to call in and share your experience. Maybe you have a question about how you can make it through that grieving process, how God is at work when it doesn't seem like there is that comfort, that peace, where you feel lonely or isolated. Our phone number is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Back in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
1: My anxiety is what led me to start going to Daily Mass. Gary Zimmick. Relevant Radio has been a lifeline to me when I'm struggling, when I am anxious. I get to hear the truth. I
0: get to be lifted up. Bringing Christ to the world through the media. Relevant Radio. This hour is sponsored by St. Gregory Recovery Center. Helping you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at RelevantRadio.com Gregory. That's RelevantRadio.com Gregory. Welcome back to the Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and it's always so good to be able to spend this hour with you as together we try and understand God's will for our life, how He is working in each of our lives, and some of those difficult areas where we say, okay, this is something that... I'm not sure how God is working in my life at this moment, but being able to speak with the different priests that join us, the different spiritual directors, and get that insight of how God might be speaking to us, how he might be guiding and directing us. And uh, thank you for supporting Relevant Radio so that we are able to have this kind of program on the air. And thank you for participating with your emails, your phone calls. Thank you for praying for us and for those listeners that are calling in, sharing those difficult moments that they're going through. If you would like to call and be part of the program, our phone number here into the studio, 888-914-9149. Talking with Father Marcel Tayon today, the pastor at St. Thomas More Catholic Church in Narragansett, Rhode Island, talking about the grieving process about dealing with loss in our lives. And we want to talk with Joe, who's calling in from Texas. Joe, uh, sounds like you went through this process, but you were able to encounter God.
3: Yes, sir. Good morning. God bless, uh, Father Tyone and uh, Josh. Uh, Thank you for taking the time to address this most important topic. Uh, Any and every one of us are challenged whenever we have the loss of a loved one. In my particular case, my wife uh, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer back in 2018, and uh, after her diagnosis, uh, we decided to go through the chemotherapy uh, 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 chemo process, and uh, once she went through that process, uh, the the chemo affected her very extensively, and uh, within a week's time frame, she had passed away. Uh, That was rather sudden for anything to happen and of course the impact of that was uh, tremendous through the process of uh grieving and working and understanding why this would happen i put my faith back into action and continued uh with prayer and adoration and seeking out friends uh who could support me in my grief. Also, Father mentioned that uh, one of the things was uh, having the sacred mass uh, for our loved ones. In that moment, through the process of a rosary and the mass itself, that was the most saving grace because we know that our our Lord loves us and that he had promised a place for each and every one of us. So, sticking to the faith and the strength through adoration, through mass, through the supports of my brother Knights of Columbus and many others who were strong with their faith, the grieving process was greatly diminished. Not, not to say that one doesn't, doesn't grieve alone and 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 hurts and has a loneliness and not complete understanding but through faith and the strength of our church and our beliefs we can get through those things and I would like to just encourage anyone who's challenged just the way I was uh, that if you hold truth to the catholic church and that of your beliefs and continue to go to adoration read the gospels and believe then
0: the peace in your heart can be diminished immensely. Joe, yeah, thank you for calling in. And Father, you know, one of the things that is encouraging to hear there from Joe is he had that structure and that support. You know, he talked about being part of the Knights of Columbus. You know, there there was a community aspect there. And maybe you can talk about the importance of that community that that we don't isolate ourselves. But then also if you don't have that community, you know, where do you turn? How do you start to find people that might be able to help encourage and support you so that you don't end up isolated and alone?
1: Well, I think he mentioned in passing too that he had some good friends, but also his his turn to the sacraments and his parish community. So I have seen over and over and again, sometimes people that are in long-term caregiving for their spouse, maybe, you know, 5, 10, 15 years, heroic caregiving, and then the spouse finally goes to God. Well, the loneliness, the crush of not, when you caregive, it takes so much energy and love, and this incredible intimacy happens, even if they have dementia or anything else, if you're kind of the the caregiver, even emotionally if they're in in a facility, when that death comes, there's such a hole in the person. But I have found and seen that the daily mass community, particularly if someone's, not working or working from home or has time but sometimes daily mass at a parish is sort of not all but there are many widows and widowers there who understand each other's thing and sometimes you know i've seen people that couldn't go to daily mass they wanted to but they were caregiving or they were so busy and exhausted from they went to maybe sunday mass they couldn't come and then the daily mass becomes sort of a spiritual community that's not necessarily a big discussion group or having to talk about everything but it's a good place to start is daily mass, adoration, but especially daily mass. And you kind of get a routine there. And it's really a daily retreat. Most parishes are under 30 minutes a day. And I think that's a good thing to do, especially if you're really in kind of in a, a darker place or deep, this acute loneliness that can happen. And sometimes it lasts a long time. But I love his witness because he found solace in the sacraments and the rosary. And I think sort of sort of those kind of things that have him meditating on Jesus, his death and resurrection, which do give solace. And then again, having a mass offered or said, we might say in the colloquial term, for our deceased loved ones. There's no greater unity than the mass being offered for the soul of our loved one, um, tying up loose ends. There is a, the best gift we can give a living person or deceased person is a mass, yeah. but especially the deceased. Um, I think we should pause from canonizing everyone and instead have masses offered where it's such a, a gift of charity and faith. And so I think he's right. But I, I would say daily mass, good place to go. Sunday mass, sort of maybe having a mass on the, the anniversary of death, on the birthday, your wedding anniversary, um a day that was special to that person if they loved July 4th every year, try to get as close to July 4th and, and go there, you know, praising God for them, praying for them. I think almost being creative and and priests often say private masses. So it doesn't have to be a a public mass, but just knowing that a mass is offered for our loved ones, sending a mass card to someone who's in a great state of grief, even maybe a month after the funeral. You know, I think what happens is through the funeral, everyone has a lot of attention and, and then that those, Those days, months, and that year after can be very challenging for someone. Even if they found the funeral okay, the grief will come like a sort of a tsunami comes over the person, you know, one month, two weeks, six months, sometimes even a year, year and a half to the death. I've seen people sort of all of a sudden find themselves in a very acute grief. They're surprised by it, and they didn't see it coming. And then they, they do some positive things to get through that and get get some graces and consolation. So we shouldn't be afraid of grief. And it's a, it's a mystery, right? It's part of love. So love we can't see, but we know its effects. And I think grief is part of love. So we, we shouldn't be intimidated by grief, but it's intimidating sometimes, very overwhelming. And and know that Christ, Christ is with us there. The sacraments are there. So if you sort of have a, you know, sometimes you you hear about boats on the sea they have these rogue waves that come out of nowhere these big <laughs> waves come over any kind any size of boat they're mysterious the waves come and i think sometimes when we're grieving we can have one of those days or one of those months or seasons and that's okay it shouldn't shouldn't throw us overboard um but but we cling to Christ the, the church is often seen as a boat right the, the bark of peter we call the catholic church and i love that because uh the bark of peter right christ said will never be destroyed and any amount of grief waves that come over our starboard side, like Christ will, the boat will always stay stand up so it can get us to safe Harbor where our loved one is. And kind of, it's a nice image I think to, to meditate on today if you're if you having that kind of experience right now. But, but yeah. that last call was great. because he's, he's been through it and done a great job at trying to figure that out.
0: And, Father, just because I know, you know, to take some of the phone calls, it takes a little bit longer. I don't know if we're going to have time enough to, to take anybody else on the air. But uh, apologies to those of you who did call in. I, I, I'm really sorry we weren't able to get everybody on. But one thing that maybe before we wrap up the hour here is— when somebody loses a loved one, but that loved one, maybe they didn't seem like they were in a right place with God, you know, and there's that question of, are they really destined for heaven? Or, you know, there's that that concern of the eternal destiny of the soul. Can you maybe talk just in these last couple of minutes about when it comes to someone who is you know, they, they weren't right with God, God's love, God's mercy, and I, I love, you know, even Jesus, how he talks in the um, vision to St. Faustina about, I, at the moment of death, I am my own evangelist.
1: Mm-hmm. Amen. And I think uh, that, that's a great point. I think, you know, the Church teaches in purgatory and heaven. I love purgatory. It's a teaching, rooted. it's a doctrine rooted in love and healing and promise, Um I always tell my former students when you... If I die and you see me in obituary in the very oh yeah, Father Tayon, said, "Don't presume I'm in to Have a mass said for me, and just do that in a positive way. I think we can we can pray for our dead. We're in communion with them. We can offer mass, the rosary, and these are things we can do. We shouldn't we shouldn't be paralyzed. We should trust ourselves to God's mercy, and entrust that person to the mercy of God. We're not helpless when someone dies. Maybe off the tracks a bit. We can pray for them. Have a mass said, and also in just place. Them into the merciful arms of Jesus, so we can sort of live like not either or, but both. And so, yes, we we know their life, we know some of their story. We really don't know everybody's story; only God does. Even our own story, we all need, we all have some loose ends, some sins. That's why we go to confession. But I think we don't want to we don't want to panic for someone. That's not going to help. We don't want to be Christ and judge them. That's not our role. But our role is to pray for them, commend them to God. Um, no matter what circumstance they died with, because we don't know everything about everyone. We can always pray for the dead. It's one of the greatest. It changes us. It makes us more charitable. And makes, reminds us we're not God. And those are two good things to remember, and that Christ is God. He's loving, and he's got us. He's He's got these souls we care about. He's at our side, at our back. Like I think the St. Patrick breastplate prayer, you know, maybe you pray the St. Patrick prayer at my side, under me, beside me, over me. And we can right. pray that for the loved one we're a little concerned about and kind of have a maybe a, a holy, humble confidence in God about about that person. But we're not helpless. We can yeah. pray, so we should, in a very balanced way, we can, we can do that.
0: Well, and always remember, you know, we're not God, but God loves that person even more than we love that person. The, the good we want for them, God wants even more. Father, we're down to our last 30 seconds. Could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners?
1: Yeah, Lord, bless everyone listening to this program today or in the future that— Our hearts may be prepared for grief, strengthened in grief, consoled in grief, but also full of the hope and the promise and experience of the resurrected Jesus in the Eucharist, in the presence of the Church, this program, and deep in the depths of our hearts. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks so much, Father Tyone, for being with us here today. Thank you for listening, of course. Find the podcast of the entire hour at our website, relevantradio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app tomorrow. Going to talk about understanding how God calls us into our vocation in life. We'll talk with you tomorrow.